Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the carnivorous films of the VHS era. Oh, you know what word I should have used? Hermaphroditic. Anyway, tonight we are talking about the 1988 killer animal classic, Slugs. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1988 Slugs on Tubi and YouTube for free. This film is as ubiquitous as its namesake. Very easy to find. But don't worry, those at home listening. We are well aware that slugs are not insects. They are gastropods, but they are still creepy and crawly enough to qualify for this month's topic. Do they refer to them as insects in the film? I feel like they do. I wouldn't be surprised, but I wasn't triggered by it if if they did. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, this film was directed by Juan Simon. Um, he's he's Spanish. He direct. He's most famous for directing pieces, um, and he also directed a, a little exploitation movie I really like called Satan's Blood in 1976, which I imagine we'll eventually do on the podcast. But I don't know how he came to do this movie. Like I I don't know the story behind it, and a, a cursory search of the internet didn't help me. Uh, but this is based on a novel by Sean Hudson, so I have no idea how an American novel about slugs came to be adapted into a film by a Spanish filmmaker who makes trashy horror movies. It just seems like a very odd jump. There is an abnormal equality of production here for this kind of film. The credits very clearly tell you that it is scored by the Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra. And did that pedigree seem off to you? This is a movie about slugs that eat people. <laughs> you think it was punching above its weight? <laughs> I was thinking about how, how a slug could punch. <laughs> I realized there's a point in this film where a slug actually opens a very mammal-like carnivore mouth to bite somebody. So it's not really out of the question. I think the slugs actually re- look really cool in this movie. I think they're really well done. Oh, you may be thinking this is like an Alligator 2 situation, right? Like walking into this film for the first time. Just for uh, clarity, this is neither Luke nor I's first time watching slugs. Uh, this is one of those few circumstances we are both very familiar with this film. Uh, I think this is like my third watch Um probably looks like 15th 20th right yeah i don't know my wife and i both like this movie a lot and we watch it pretty frequently so but unlike alligator 2 this movie is actually fantastic it succeeds in all of the categories gator 2 fails i will i'm gonna amend that slightly because i don't think this is by any means a good movie like I think this is a disastrously bad, ridiculous movie, but it's super entertaining, and I would rather watch it 10 times than watch Alligator 2. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's ridiculous. 
maybe this is just like a, a little bit of Stockholm syndrome from having watched this movie a few times, but I don't think this movie's bad. No, <laughs> I because mean, I, I think it realizes what it's trying to be. Oh, sure. It, it knows That's what it's fair. trying to do, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's just so strange how they managed to get a Phil, the Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra to do the music for this movie. Like, that can't be cheap, right? Like, this guy apparently directed exploitation films and, and trash horror before this. How did he secure something like that? Was it a favor? I have no idea. And it's why I wish I had done like more research before this episode. But um, like I said, just a quick search didn't turn anything up. Um, I don't know how this movie came to be. But anyhow, um, let's play the trailer and then we'll get into the story and we can talk about what makes it bad or, or good or bizarre or all of the above. It all began in a peaceful community, a place that had never known evil until now. But 20 years ago, in the stillness beneath these waters, something happened. And now, its deadly spawn has been released. Coming up from the depths, out into the light. Slugs. First, they got into the water system. Now, they'll get into your system. Oh, my God! They ooze. There's something down there that's killing people. They slime. We got a new dead body showing up every ten minutes. They kill. We're dealing with a mutant form of slug here. The kind that eats meat. It has three or four rows of teeth. Don't turn on the tap. <laughs> Don't go in the basement. No, Steer clear of the sewers. out while your parents aren't home. Slugs. It may be the most shocking movie you will ever see. Slugs. Was it one of the most shocking movies you've ever seen? Yo, what a throwback to Sunday school, right? If you make out while your parents aren't home, uh, a bunch of slugs will break in and eat you. <laughs> we should talk about that scene right up front because that's a great example of why I think this is a bad but entertaining movie. Do you think that that scene was just meant to be comedic? So I guess to set this up, these are our two teenagers who have sex on on screen, so they have to die. And, of course, underage drinking is going on as well. And uh, while they're fucking in bed, slugs come out of their toilet, the sewer system, because they come through pipes into the house, and flood every inch of the floor, yet somehow leave the bed untouched. So it isn't until the girl gets out of bed that she steps on slugs slides falls into them and is then slowly eaten alive in front of the guy who to his credit tries to save her by like reaching out to her but 
at this point, it's been established that once you touch these slugs, you're basically dead because they just kind of wiggle your way into your skin. And how are you going to get rid of that? It's not going to happen. So then he tries to save himself and also fails because he's probably drunk as fuck on Captain Morgan or whatever he stole from her dad's liquor cabinet. And I was thinking on this view that if this movie wasn't so ridiculous, this would be really traumatizing. Like you're watching someone who you just fucked, who you've been like probably dating for a very long time, just get eaten alive on like your bedroom floor and in your house, which you thought was safe. Like even if he managed to somehow escape this, like let's say the plot let him get out the window and he made it like you would never be the same. And I haven't read the book, but I could imagine the book being decent for that reason, that a lot of this seems horrifying conceptually, but when you actually put it on screen and you have to figure out the physics of slugs literally dragging people places, it. I don't think it works anymore, and I don't think there's a way to make it work. I think it's just inherently comedic, and so it's hard to take seriously. Like, it's really hard. This scene is one of the funniest things I've seen in a horror movie ever. But you're right. I would be traumatized if it happened to me somehow in real life. I'm just saying, yes, somehow in real life. I'm just saying that outside of this film's context... This would be really horrifying. But because it's framed in a movie like Slugs, it it totally disarms any sort of uh, real emotions that can be associated with seeing something so horrific. And this is a film that does a pretty good job with uh, makeup and prosthetics with gore. Like she falls into these slugs completely naked and she is completely covered in blood uh because you know they're when you fall into a mound of meat-eating slugs they're going to bite you everywhere but then they like ate one of her eyes out and she's like (laughs) reaching up to up to this to her boyfriend from like behind the foot post of the bed and he reaches out for her and her hand is just covered with like slugs embedding into her muscle which is the real reason she can't get up it's not that they're holding her down it's that they're wiggling into her body and she can no longer function and it's a slow death right this isn't like the blob where it just like slams you and you die this is like a a, a death by 10,000 paper cuts. Well, I don't deny that the, the movie is well done. Like the special effects are well done and that the concept is horrifying for whatever reason. I just can't take it seriously. When I see it on screen, the image of little slugs with teeth gnashing away, it's like, it's like attack of the killer tomatoes to me. It's, it's like in, in a concept that's impossible to take seriously. Oh, and I'm not saying I take this film seriously. Okay, good. <laughs> but it's really, I'm, it's really just amazing how they can take something that would be so horrifying in like any other traditional horror film potentially. And because it's like silly slugs, it's and the rest of the film is like, 
hammy as fuck. It it really disarms what could have been. I guess that's it. What disarms what could have been. All right, I I get your point now. I I understand what you're saying. So let's go back at the to the beginning because I I do want to talk about the opening scene. On yeah, the meanwhile, <laughs> we open on this couple fishing. Well, the guy's fishing and the girl is complaining like she doesn't want to be there. And uh, he ends up falling in. And this is our first slug attack. She's screaming, Wayne, Wayne. And you know how, um, I don't know if you ever read this. Roger Ebert had like a theory that you could only scream someone's name on screen so many times before it started to become ridiculous. Is that Does that sound familiar? Vaguely. Anyway, I think that this comes to it like my wife and I started screaming Wayne to one another. So then that's what's enjoyable about this movie. Like it's a blast to watch with somebody and and riff on and, uh, you know, laugh, laugh with. I don't know if that was the intention, but um, it works. I mean, the overall joke is this girl thought that they were going out on the river boat the fuck, and he actually meant fishing. Like, he actually wanted to go fishing. Right. But it turns out they're fishing on top of a reservoir that uh, just happens to dump out from a toxic waste dump. So the the overall plot here is that... Uh, the original town had a business that dumped a bunch of toxic waste, rolled over it with some land and let it be. Some land developers came in, freed and uh, basically freed the top layer of soil to build a mini mall. And by removing that protective layer of soil, they unleashed what was uh, brewing beneath that mound of land for decades in this case a bunch of toxic waste infused slugs which then uh, flood into the reservoir which starts off the film what did you think of the like when people fall in the water and then the blood bubbles up and splashes out of the water what do you think's going on there this man's getting eaten alive by slugs this isn't the i mean okay this is the first guy we see get devoured in water but it won't be the last no, no, by no means, not in this movie. Well, like this, I, okay, but this is a this is a film that knows how to do good pacing. Maybe it's because I've seen this film like three times. I'm more aware of it. But we've seen a lot of films like this where you have a small town getting attacked by some sort of like, you know, bizarre science experiment, otherworldly force, etc. And they have to do all this character building so that we can kind of try to give a shit about characters between everything else. But one thing that really stood out to me about slugs is that they will intersperse all of these character development scenes with just random slug attacks on people in town. And it has absolutely no overbearing on the plot at all. But it's really appreciated. It keeps the it keeps the tempo up. No, I agree with that. And I feel the same way about um, Pieces, uh, you know, this guy's slasher movie. It's it's a really ridiculous, trashy, over-the-top, unbelievable movie. And I feel similarly to it. Uh, I, I, feel, I feel about it the same way I feel about this movie. Um, but in both cases, 
the pacing is brilliant because you never get bored. There's always something. Did you end up caring about any of the characters in this movie? Hmm. I think the only character I really cared for was the sanitation worker because he doesn't make it out in the end. Yeah. I guess I cared about him a little. I guess I would have rather he lived. Right. Like It's really easy as Americans to sympathize with government officials who give a shit about the people. Right. Like he, the main character is a health inspector. And his partner for most of the film is a sanitation guy. Like he works as like a, probably like a supervisory position in sanitation. And they both like go the fucking limit to serve their community. Which is like, I feel like that's really unusual for a film from 1988. Usually during this time, like these were the Reagan years and people were anti-government and it's just odd to have your heroes be government workers. If you're going to write a script where a main character is going to be part of the government, I think the most identifiable, the person that you can make that people will hate the least would be a health inspector. And you see this all the time in horror films, especially for small towns, right? Like uh, the Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake was a health inspector. Maybe the original was a health inspector too, but I don't think so. Was it? I don't remember. I don't remember either, but it, it's definitely a health inspector in the remake. And I feel like that's a common trope, right? Maybe. Because who can hate the health inspector? They're there to make sure that you don't have like rat feces in your food, your restaurant food. Yeah, no, I guess that's a good point. I, I don't think I would ever be against a health inspector. Like if, if I'm against big government being in every everything... But I'm going to be a little lenient. I'm going to at least be like, hey, it's cool if we check my food. Watch. Now we're going to get angry emails from people who are like, the health inspector closed down my restaurant. Oh, yes. those That is the only crowd that's not going to be satisfied here. Uh, I'm sorry, restaurant guy. <laughs> <laughs> I do value my cleanliness. Regulations are holding back business. So, yeah, no, we got government workers who uh, are really for the people in this case. It's just nice to have a movie on this podcast that we can actually root for the protagonists. Oh, is that true? <laughs> yeah, that's that's also very true. I hadn't thought about it that way. And then looking at the other side of the team, we got slugs. But unlike a lot of traditional horror films with animal attack monsters... The slugs don't have any one like entity that the audience can root against, right? There's not like some fictional slug queen in a sewer somewhere spitting out a bunch of eggs. I feel like a, a, a more traditional script may have gone that route. I felt like the, there's less of like an evil force going on. And it's just like a, just like an, a, a for, like a force of indifference that the, the, the characters of the humans of this town are struggling against. It's more like a natural disaster almost. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I think of it like a natural disaster. Like when you watch a movie about like a hurricane, right? You don't like personify the hurricane as being something inherently evil. I feel like the slugs are the same way. No, it, it, it really is. It's a film about pollution. 
right? It's it's the toxic waste that corrupted the slugs. The slugs weren't out to hurt anybody. I mean, go, go, coming at this film from like an ecological standpoint, it's going to be a little lacking because the company that actually dumped the toxic waste or the source of the toxic waste is never discussed. No, that's true. Is that the big letdown of slugs that <laughs> they failed to properly uh, criticize the conditions that led to the giant slug outbreak in the first place? I don't know. I don't think the movie's competent enough to deliver a message, but you don't want to see a slugs too, where Mike, the health inspector goes to in front of like a congressional meeting board in Washington and has to like drop off all the evidence about how there was a bunch of mismanagement from the comp, whatever company dumped the waste full knowing that it was going to, you know, adversely affect the, affect the environment. I, I I mean, if there were if there was going to be a slugs too, I'd want it to be like that. I'd be much more interested in that than just seeing a retread of the first one. There would be zero slugs. It would just be all meetings and like discussions. It'd be like the West Wing, but instead of like discussing Israel Palestine relations, it'll be about how slugs ate people in a small town for like a week. That sounds cool to me. I'm down. <laughs> Add that to the list of scripts I'm going to write. But to get back to the film. Do you think there's any like social commentary in this film? No. Do you, you think this is just like all indiscriminate? Everyone's up on the table. Slug eating. I think it's indiscriminate. Okay. Why? <laughs> what would what would the message be? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think there is one. But... The first guy whose home we see get invaded is the guy who's being evicted. And this this man is so sad. He he's a sad drunk with a sad dog. And, you know, this dog has no choice. You know, when you're a pet, you can't choose your owner, right? Your owner chooses you. Uh huh. And sometimes, you know, your dog, a dog or a cat rolls a natural one. And ends up with the fucking owner like this. We the first time we see him, he's getting knocked over by a car. <laughs> I don't think they actually run him over. The car's being driven by a bunch of teenagers. Uh, the driver of which is one of the two that gets eaten by slugs after fucking and in that traumatic scene we described earlier um you know they really do nail the small town feeling in this movie because a lot of the actors share scenes like just like brief scenes with each other like not everybody knows one another but much like a small town you might see some like a familiar face every now and then well yeah there's another scene that really made me feel that way where the uh the the main character finds out that this couple has been killed and it's a, not a couple who we ever saw interact with him. It was just somebody who lived in the neighborhood and he's like, they were nice people. I really <laughs> liked them. You know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, that was the most generic shit he could have possibly said. I'm, I have a feeling that was ad-libbed. I don't think that there was a script for that. I don't know. Who knows if this was written in English or Spanish or both or what? Anyway, so there's this guy with a dog. 
and uh the dog won't come inside so he just leaves it outside yeah you know he gets knocked over he's sad about it when he gets up he's like you know what'll make us feel better like drinking (laughs) (laughs) yeah he takes out a flask and he you know takes a drink and he like kind of offers the dog a swig but then just puts it in his pocket gets more for himself yep I got a kick out of it when he when the dog wouldn't come inside and he yelled at it, what, my house isn't good enough for you? Yo, he turns on this dog real quick. I know. My when um when we first saw him like get hit by the car and then get up and say that you know, try to comfort the dog, my wife was watching it with me and she said, Oh, I really like this character. <laughs> And then, uh, and then a couple minutes later, she was like, "Oh, maybe, maybe not," <laughs> because at that point, we see him lock his his dog outside and verbally abuse it. Well, you know, the dogs always know. The dogs always know when something's up. What really gets me about this guy, though, what's worse than his dog abuse, is his trash habits. He just throws his trash down into the basement. And it's like piling up like in a hoarder's house. I mean, that's probably why he's getting evicted, right? Especially by the... (laughs) So just to get this out of the way, after he like pisses off the audience with his animal abuse, he goes into a room to crash on a couch, but the couch just happens to be covered with a bunch of slugs and he is instantly devoured. Cue the next morning where the health inspector has to show up with a sheriff with the sheriff to evict this guy. But I'm pretty sure the reason he's being evicted isn't be well, maybe it's because of like rent, but I think it's mostly because he's, you know, not maintaining the property. And small towns probably have um higher standards of property management. Yeah, and what else is the health inspector gonna do in a small town like that? Like He's going to go after hoarder houses and stuff. Yeah, I guess there's only like two diners to harass, right? Right. And I'm not and I'm not stereotyping like rural people. What I'm saying is that when you only have a small number of people to supervise, that's who you have to supervise. So no, that makes sense. But yeah, he his his basement is has become a breeding ground, I guess, for the slugs because of all the trash piled up up piled up down there right their main breeding ground is the sewers but they come up for food frequently well we see that the basement is absolutely full of slugs so i assumed that this became like a miniature breeding ground for them the beginning of this film these slugs are like ninjas they're like in and out all over the place yeah well they're fast yeah they're (laughs) fast when the plot necessitates it it's kind of like the blob in that regard. But see, like the blob, I think, pulls it off better. Well, the blob was like an apex predator that could like glide across any surface at breakneck speed. I mean, assuming you're talking about the 80s version. Um, yeah. You know, here, every single person that dies to slugs is because they walked into the slugs. Like you have to... Okay, the guy in the beginning of the movie on the boat he kind of gets a pass because no one knows about the slugs yet, right? So he has his foot in the water, he gets pulled in. This guy 
flops onto a couch with a bunch of slugs. The two teenagers, they just happen to step off the bed at the time there's a bunch of slugs on the floor. Almost everyone in this movie that dies to slugs is because they walked into a bad situation or in the sanitation worker's case at the end of the film, he uh, was pushed into a bunch of slugs because of some water pressure. So you're basically saying that the slugs aren't aggressive. Well, the slugs aren't the aggressors. They are kind of moving into human territory, but then again, we are like the ultimate invasive species, right? Like the slugs were here first, then we invaded their territory. We dumped toxic waste on them. They become ex-slugs, like X-Men. Yeah, slugs. It's, 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 not, it's not their fault that they got mutated. No, it's not their fault. That's why there's like no malevolence in this. These slugs are just there. Well, that's a good point. But I don't know if I can sympathize with them that much. It's hard to sympathize with slugs. Yeah, I guess content warning, if you are someone that sympathizes with slugs, uh, they do show slug death in this film. <laughs> like a lot of the practical effects for slugs are actual slugs until like people are tripping on them and stuff. In that case, they're like just carpets of fake slugs. On top of like, it looks like a garb, like black vinyl lining floors. <laughs> what what about the scenes in the lab where they're dissecting them? Do you think those are real slugs? Uh, yeah, the, the scientist cuts one in half. Yeah, so you think that one's real? Yeah, that was totally real. I wasn't sure one way or the other. But... And then there's another scene where they, I think it was Mike, starts bashing some with a frying pan that are coming out of a kitchen sink. Those were real. Can we talk about the the scientist guy that um, that diet that dissects them? This guy becomes sort of a sidekick character. What'd you think of him? He's a little too convenient. He's he's super convenient. He's also like his performance is really weird to me. Like he's the weirdest thing about the movie because I, he's British. <laughs> no, he's a British scientist living in a small town. It's not because he's British. It's like there's a scene at the end where he's driving the truck full of the chemicals <laughs> down the road trying to find the right manhole. And he's talking with them on the walkie talkie and he's like goofy. It's like he's it's like his performance is from a different kind of movie. It is. But like this man, nothing about this guy comes off as like a genuine person. He's more like a personification that hopped out of a textbook. Like if you're reading like an eighth grade science textbook and like the scientist leaped off the page into real life, it's this guy. He, he's a science man with lots of chemicals and he can make all the chemicals for you. And he can tell you everything about biology because he's a general scientist. <laughs> well, and, and an expert on slugs. And it just happens. He's not, he's not okay. He's not touted as a slug expert. He just knows about slugs and knows enough to like open up a slug and look at what it's, what it's doing. Right. And that's what I'm saying though. He's like a chemist, a biologist, and somehow like an industrial chemical mass producer all in one person in the small ass town. 
for some reason, this is making me think of that scene in Elves where Dan Haggerty busts in on that family eating dinner and demands that that guy tells him what he knows about the Elves and the Nazis because that's that guy's supposed expertise. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that, but that was the connection my brain made. This guy ain't that specialized, though. He's just like general science man. He knows all the sciences. And it just, it so baffles me that just because this guy has a lab, that means he can, uh, he can just somehow assemble in his back room in a giant barrel enough of a chemical that can, um, you know, solve the problem of the film without the use of a factory or shipments that take like a week or whatever. An entire truck's worth. An entire truck's worth. And yeah, Annie has a giant truck too. So it's not like the government loaned him that truck or anything. No, I I don't really know what's up with this character, but I I don't get me wrong. I found him really entertaining. I enjoyed watching him do his thing, but he did seem like he was in a different movie. I thought it was really cool when we see the slug kill the hamster. It doesn't even kill the hamster. Doesn't he put the whole the the hamster with the slug attached to it into a jar? No, he he takes the slug off the hamster and puts it into a jar. And in in the same scene, you can see the hamster running around in the background in its cage with absolutely no injury. I just assumed that was a different hamster. It might be a continuity error. I mean, it wouldn't be the first one. There, there's an establishing shot of um, or scene of the sheriff and the health inspector when they're going to evict the, the guy that got devoured on his couch. And uh, first off, this fucking patrol car is red. I noticed that. I it's thought red. it was bizarre. It, yeah, this police car is fucking red. I think it's has- evidence that this was shot in Spain. Are police cars colored red in Spain? I don't know if they are or not. It could be a bad attempt to mimic American police cars. Or maybe some small town really does use red police cars. I don't know. But I'm I'm always suspicious with these 80s movies that were directed by European directors. And I, I imagine that a lot of them are filmed in Europe. No, this scene because we see shots of this car on the road. It's clearly in America. There's a there's road signs in English and the, the American style. I'm looking at it right now with like the traditional old ass brick buildings that should have been torn down like 50 years ago. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm probably wrong, but maybe this this wherever they filmed this had a rule that you couldn't have like traditional police cars, so they had to make it red to like deal with local ordinance because otherwise if they made it an actual police car would be impersonating an officer and the actors could be arrested by overzealous law enforcement we're really just bullshitting a bunch we are going off the fucking rails here anyway the point that i wanted to bring up here is that it's the sheriff and the health inspector in the car like the sheriff is driving health inspectors in the passenger seat and in like a cool character building moment you know the sheriff is supposed to be super uptight and he complains about the health inspector Mike's uh, cigarette smoking. He's like, you uh, certainly sheriff, you don't mind if I smoke in here as he already lit the cigarette with all the windows rolled up. And uh, the other sheriff's like, yeah, I do mind. Um, I fucking hate secondhand smoke like a, like a normal person nowadays would say, but this was 1988. So this was restrictive. Um, So he like flicks the cigarette out the window, but 
between those shots, the fucking windows rolled up. It wouldn't have been possible. <laughs> like, there's continuity errors like that all throughout this film. I am the worst person at noticing things like that. I just, maybe I'm just a really trusting, gullible person, but I... I just tend to gloss over all of that stuff. I think it's one of the reasons why I enjoy watching, you know, so-called bad movies is because sometimes even if I notice the errors, it doesn't really detract from the movie for me. As long as it's not super egregious and we're having fun, like who gives a fuck? Yeah. Well, for, for sure. Um, but yeah, I didn't even notice that. Uh, I, I did think that was kind of a funny scene where um they got on to each other about littering and then they complain about littering we need to talk about the guy who eats the salad with the slug in it yo this couple (laughs) you have this couple right you have the stay-at-home wife who I'm assuming she's a stay-at-home wife, right? I think so. Yeah, and uh, with a massive drinking problem. And then her husband, who is, I'm assuming, the town's high-class lawyer who settles, you know, property property sales. He's probably like a huge real estate lawyer in this small town. And so he brings in all the bread. He's fancy as fuck we're kind of like introduced to them at like a party scene that we don't need to talk about. But the the point where they really become relevant is when the wife decides to come home and make them dinner. And she brings home these giant heads of lettuce and puts them in the sink after rinsing them. And she does not see it, but we at home know that there's a slug inside the heads of lettuce. Yeah. We see them kind of wiggling around in the sink. She mostly doesn't notice it because she decides to do some last minute day drinking before her husband gets home. (laughs) And she like pseudo passes out on the couch, wakes up when she hears his car coming to the driveway and she's like, oh, shit, (laughs) and starts to frantically make dinner. But because she didn't really allow herself a lot of time, she's like, oh, we're having salad. So she takes the heads of lettuce and chops them up unbeknownst to her with the slug inside and serves that as as dinner and somehow she remains untouched like she i guess did not eat the salad did not eat dinner maybe she just didn't she mentions that she puts anchovies in the salad so i was thinking maybe the slug got confused for anchovies and just she happened to not get any slug in her side perhaps but her husband definitely ate slug and this leads to one of the greatest, I was going to say one of the greatest scenes of the film, but really it's kind of hard to pick one. Like, I think they're all great. This is, this is a particularly special one. He, you know, he complains of stomach cramps. And then we get to the, 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 the ultimate scene where he is sealing a, pro, a property business deal in a fancy ass restaurant. He goes to the bathroom. He starts bleeding from his nose. He's like, you know, I just need to seal this deal and then get the fuck out of here. He goes back out, takes a drink of his glass of water, and it just the whole glass just fills up with blood from his insides. That blood is supposed to be inside. And he freaks out. He 
of course, rips the entire tablecloth and all of the food with it as he tumbles to the ground, leaking from every orifice on his face before his eyes explode into worms. <laughs> and you uh, might be thinking, yeah. what does this do with what does this have to do with slugs? And it turns out <laughs> that along with the slugs getting mutated, these fluke parasites that are common among slugs also got mutated and grew to the point where they could infect people. <laughs> like for those that don't know, uh, gastropods are uh, usually ripe with parasites. It's a, a main parasite life cycle for you know something like a crustacean to eat a gastropod and then you can inherit like a parasite and then they shit out the eggs and then the slugs eat them and the life cycle continues right and in this case when you have a host that interrupts that cycle unexpected things can happen like worms exploding from your eyeballs <laughs> even if you like bought the whole scenario right this uh this climax is beyond ridiculous do you think it's supposed to be comedic by climax you mean like in the restaurant or like the film i mean i mean in the restaurant with his eyes exploding into worms i don't care if it's believable it's fantastic uh, okay i agree i'm just curious what you thought mm, i mean we're dealing with like Okay, so let's look at parasites in like people, right? Like real parasites in people. Like it's possible for for like pork roundworms to get inside people and um and and if untreated run rampant. They will never explode out your eyeballs, but you can be full of worms. Yeah. This, this, it, this movie wouldn't have been fun if the guy just like keeled over and died at the table and then they like opened him up in autopsy and a bunch of worms poured out. Like that would have been boring. It was much better to have him pop out of his eyes like a, like one of those fucking snakes in a can or something. If you eat raw crab, like uncooked crab, this is the reason why you can't get real raw crab and sushi in the U.S. Um, you can get something called a lung fluke, which uh, is not meant to be in people. It's meant to be in fucking crabs. But if you consume a crab that has these flukes they can get into your lungs and they just kind of breed and then create a lot of fluid and then you end up drowning um from like pneumonia uh, from all the fluid they generate so like it's not un it's not unreasonable to have someone die from parasites it's just really rare in the modern world because of medical treatment and the fact that there are actually you know, food inspectors and in, in the U.S. government that make sure these things have a, a a rare chance of happening. But the way that it causes death is nowhere near as exciting as someone's eyeballs exploding in the middle of a restaurant. <laughs> so it's better that it played out this way. It's All just right. interesting that in a movie about slugs, they decide to be like, oh, man, you know what would be cool? If parasites came into it, too. That sounds that's, that's definitely a book thing. If the, yeah. If, it's definitely in the book. That's like a. It's, it's like the author's like, I'm so fucking smart. Parasites are going to get in here too. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. Like this had to have come from the book because there's no reason a script writer would put it in there. 
But you know, maybe in the book it is more subtle. Like he just dies in the restaurant and then they have to like open him up and then the coroner calls the health inspector and all that shit. Oh, that's fair. But this director, this director was on point. He's like, fuck it. You know, we don't have time for all that. We're not hiring a coroner. We're just blowing his eyes up. Well... Our main character, Mike, shows up at the restaurant to because this was one of his friends, the guys who the guy whose eyes exploded into worms. Um, and uh, he takes some of the worms to see the doctor. Schistosomes are blood flukes, a particularly virulent strain of parasite found in the blood streams of, of slugs. Now, tell me where you got them. Well, they came from Dave Watson's head. God. There's no end to this thing. What do you mean? First, they are carnivorous, no doubt about that. Their slime produces an irritant that, if given in large enough doses, kills after paralyzing. Now this parasite, natural to them, can be transmitted and are lethal to humans. On top of that, slugs are hermaphrodites. Hermaphrodite. Hermaphroditic. Which means they can fertilize their own eggs. Speaking of which, where do they breed? Well, anywhere it is dark and moist. They're primarily night creatures. How about a sewer? Well, well, as a breeding ground, yes, it would be perfect. You know, when when the health inspector first starts to maybe piece together that maybe it's slugs that are doing all this and, he, you know, he gets them from his front lawn and takes them to the scientist for the first time, he makes absolutely no mention about his suspicions of uh, these slugs being carnivorous. He just says, hey, look at these. No, he was able to deduce on his own that they were carnivorous because they went after the hamster. Well, it just feels really irresponsible to take an animal that is, has never been seen before by science, a slug that actually has teeth and bites people, and then be like, <laughs> hey, can you take a look at this for me and not mention that? Uh, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. The immediate segue here is to a farm in the middle of nowhere where uh, we see a, a barn covered with tons of vegetables and crates and in the middle is a dead farmer covered in slugs. Yeah, my my notes literally say, um, we see some body explode in a barn. Oh, yeah, and it randomly just has a blood <laughs> high pressure spray out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but this, like, see, shit like this has no bearing on the plot, but it's a great segue between character interactions. Yeah, it was this. Uh, was this supposed to be somebody we knew? Was no. it a no? It was just a random person. No, just random townspeople die between all of these, uh, all of the pivotal plot scenes of this film. It seems funny to say pivotal in a film about slugs. And during all of this, Mike is totally ignorant of or willfully ignorant of his wife's needs, like she's panicking and calling him and telling him to come home and hurry and she's hysterical because the sink is full of slugs and she's like i think i'm losing my mind but he just says just hang in there and he has to run off again 
it's just like the relationship in um alligator 2 there's there are a, a, a few scenes in this movie that really emphasize the convenience of cell phones in today's modern era because the only way you can reach this guy is if you happen to call him at the place he happens to be true and there's a like the whole middle of the film is about people calling him telling him hey come here come here go there and people have to explain shit to him in person because they don't want to uh well uh, i guess in the sanitations workers case maybe he's trying to like avoid some kind of a scandal because the whole toxic waste thing is not common knowledge that's something right. that's covered uh, throughout the investigation I have noted that I want to play the scene where um, he tries to convince the the mayor, whoever the guy is, to shut the water off because the slugs are traveling through the water. If you're going to watch this movie for no other reason, it, it's it's probably this scene right here. One of the best lines I've ever heard uttered from a government official in a film. <laughs> I think we should just play this in its entirety. Tell Mr. Phillips that Mike Brady is here to see him. Hey, his office is closed. Yeah, what? You can't go in there. What the hell are you doing here? Phillips, we have an emergency on our hands. Should I call the police, Mr. Phillips? That won't be necessary, Miss Wiley. Thank you. What is this, Brady? I want you to cut off the water in the south end section of town immediately. Is this your idea of a joke, huh? No, it's not my idea of a joke. Now, the water in that section of town has been contaminated by a mutated form of slug. If we don't shut the system down, and I mean now, we risk contaminating the entire city. Hold on. Mutated slugs? Contaminated water system? What the hell are you talking about? Phillips, listen to me. We're facing a disaster here. You need a long vacation, pal. This is no time to argue. Who's arguing? I'm telling you you're nuts. We'll declare a health emergency. I'll take full responsibility. You ain't got the authority to declare happy birthday. Not in this town. Oh, you crazy son of a bitch. What's it going to take? For starters, a request from the mayor. Then my concurrence. Now get your ass out of here. This guy ain't even the mayor. He just runs the water department and is this fucking serious. <laughs> We should add, this is one of the scenes where um, the actor is probably not fluent in English and he is very obviously dubbed. How do you like that line? You don't have the authority to declare happy birthday. <laughs> oh, that's that one of my favorite lines in a film ever. That might be overstating it. Ever? Ever. It's in the top 10. We'll, right. we'll put it right under Roy Batty's monologue from Blade Runner. Yeah. Okay. Well, we all have our own preferences, but I think it's fun. I do like it. Did you realize this was a Halloween movie? You know, we could have ran this during our Halloween marathon. Yeah. I realized that as I was watching it. That's... This is more Halloween than that. the pit. Uh, I don't know. In the pit, we got that traditional Halloween party scene. Nobody in this movie even wears a costume. You get one mask. Maybe. Maybe if there's one mask. I mean, it's being worn to perpetrate a crime, but it's still a Halloween mask. Okay, all right. Yeah. 
Well, there's not much Halloween here, but it's technically a Halloween film, so I felt we had to mention it. Yeah, there's a bunch of side plot here. Well, not a bunch, but there's a little bit of a side plot with the uh, you know the town's teenagers gathering for a Halloween party, and it's strangely kind of ends with an attempted rape where the victim gets away and hides in a sewer. And does she get eaten by slugs? We don't see it. No, but we hear it. We hear her like splashing around, and I assume that was her being eaten. Yo, like she did nothing wrong. There's no moral code in this film for the victims. No, in that way, it is like the blob where like literally anyone can be taken. Like we have two teenagers being played by adults that get eaten. And then we have this woman who's also supposed to be a teenager who escapes getting uh, assaulted and then gets eaten by slugs. (laughs) Yeah. There's no moral justice. The The perpetrator is never seen again for the rest of the film. No. That would have to be addressed in the sequel. You know, his like somewhat survivor's guilt. Maybe he goes on to like join a youth like activist program. Maybe he goes on to atone for his guilt by helping to investigate, you know, be one of the lawyers investigating the corruption of the town's environment. That would require us to follow his journey through law school. No, it could be like 10 years later. I guess the American government does move that slow, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I think it would work. Or we could do like a David Lynch Twin Peaks and make it present day. And he's much older. So in that case, it'd have to be like the aftermath. Maybe. Where we have Mike talking about how he like petitioned the government to take sanctions against the company dumping toxic waste. And they, you know, obviously were lobbied by, we'll just say it's Monsanto. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like their kind of brand, right? Yeah. (laughs) Inadvertently creating mutant slugs. I don't know, like killing innocent civilians and Monsanto kind of go hand in hand, right? Yeah. And All right, get this. So we make it present day and all of the children of, um, you know, the people who were originally exposed are now reaching middle age and they're all going through transformations into slugs a la like the, you know, Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. Do you see where I'm going? Like, yeah, but... That kind of gets rid of the whole, let's make this as bland as possible angle. <laughs> it has nothing to do with actual slugs. They just talk about them. They just talk about slugs. I am All the in, trauma from the slugs. We don't even see any flashback sequences. I am envisioning a whole universe of films here, and each <laughs> one can have its own focus. All right. So I think one of them can focus on the body horror aspect as all of these people begin to experience their true metamorphoses into slugs. And one can focus on the talky legal aspects, you know? Yo, Juan, if you're listening to this and you want in on this slug cinematic universe idea, you know, you got our email, you got our Instagram, you know where to reach us. Yeah. That sounds great. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we get to final thoughts? We need to talk about the end of the film, man. (laughs) 
So uh, at this point, it's determined slugs are all basically focal breeding in one part of the sewer system. So Mike, the health inspector and the sanitation uh, worker decide to go down and meet this threat full force. At the same time, they have a doctor scientist man uh, who has mass produced, question mark, a chemical that can can basically detonate when when in contact with moisture because it's something lithium based. I'm not enough of I, I don't know enough about chemistry to like question the science, but it sounds it sounds sketchy as fuck. And, and even if it is possible, absolutely no thought was put into like the safety of the townspeople here. Yeah, definitely not. Um, like this causes the explosions of multiple buildings. You can find online videos of what happens when you have an unexpected explosion in a sewer system. And uh, you can see the immediate damage for uh, like manhole covers will burst out of the ground from the pressure. Uh, everyone's plumbing is fucked. It, it, it is a huge God. Like I want to, I want to say like if this was the actual city and not like a small town, it would be like a nat- national emergency sort of issue. If this were to happen in like a major metropolitan area, it, ignoring the slugs right just the damage to the water system would be outstanding like you'd have to have like trump showing up in a fucking truck throwing trump brand water bottles at people trying to get ready for the next election like that's the kind of disaster this would be yeah but no thought is given to any of that yeah no none of that is considered that's kind of like a trope for hollywood in general but definitely for older films like i remember there's I think it's the first James Bond film, like Dr. No, where the end of the film is basically a bond triggering the evil scientist slayer to melt down with like a nuclear catastrophe. And it's in the middle of like the fucking Bahamas. And they just never address like the potential, like environmental, like wasteland that would follow with ocean disasters and the destruction of the ecosystem. And, And this is like along the same veins. Um, anyway, we're getting a little off track here. So the scientist and the two the two government workers coordinate via walkie-talkie while traveling through like slug-infested sewers. You know, they do like Hollywood shit to try to get around them. It gets to a point where they have to open a hatch for some reason. The hatch opens a big burst of like high pressurized water knocks the sanitation worker into a pool of slugs where he is slowly devoured. And over the course of like the two minutes, he's getting eaten fucking Mike to his credit tries to pull out, or I should say Mike's stunt actor to his credit tries really hard to get him out of this pool of water by like shimmying upside down across this pipe and first offering him a leg to grab, which like, I don't know what you're doing, Mike. And then trying to like suspend himself upside down, holding his entire weight with his legs to pull the sanitation worker from the slugs clutches, but it is, useless the slugs have won they've and even if you were to pull him out right like what kind of life is he gonna live after that no it's um he tries really hard like i was impressed like what kind of disabilities do you think would come with being basically turned into swiss cheese by slugs even if you didn't manage to live afterwards 
I mean, I think you would bleed out, right? Like if they had really begun to chew into you. Like, just imagine like the amount of physical therapy that would be required to regain the use of like your arms, your legs. Maybe you'd be on dialysis for some reason. Like I just imagine your like quality of life would drop so hard. Imagine, imagine receiving, you know, imagine receiving government benefits because like a, a tenth of your body was eaten by slugs. I imagine that it would be like um, it would be an infection issue. Like the guy who ate the slug, you know, he was infected by the flukes or whatever. Um, I imagine something would happen like that if one bit you, right? Well, the flukes are inside the digestive system of the slug. The only reason the way you would get a fluke is if you were to eat the eggs themselves. And in his case, he ate the eggs because he ate the entire he ate the slug, the part of the slug that had the egg. So what about the slug saliva? Is it it's not dangerous? No. I mean, it is established by Dr. Science Man that their mucus happens to be uh, toxic on top of everything else. But it seems like you could probably get away with some mild uh exposure see i have um revealed my utter ignorance of science to everybody i mean this is the same guy who also said that all slugs are like most slugs are vegetarians when really i I think slugs are just opportunistic eaters that will eat anything that is slower than them really you think they they ordinarily eat like meat or i think biological material I am positive they will eat anything that they can sit on top of that can't get away. <laughs> they think that is that is how slugs slugs be. Do they have teeth? No. Okay. I didn't think they did. I don't think so. I am pretty sure. They definitely do not have teeth like in this film where we see one clearly open a <laughs> mouth with a tongue and some canines. <laughs> <laughs> i think it looks really cool though that scene looks awesome it's only because they very briefly show it they it is on screen for the perfect amount of time the special effects in this film are crazy man we see like two houses explode yeah it had to have been decently budgeted. But like yeah it, it this was this film had a budget that <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say like the budget it didn't deserve because I mean, we don't live in a just world. No one deserves anything. But they, they, it, I just, I really appreciate what this movie was able to get away with. Much like how Mike was able to get away with his life after setting up the bomb and blowing up the nest, which then causes a gigantic, uh, shockwave throughout the entire sewer system undoubtedly ruining everybody's day for like the next couple months at the cost of destroying most of the slugs now my question is like how is this supposed to be a real resolution when there's literally a scene about a quarter through the film where the slugs are breeding in some dude's greenhouse like if that is their range of potential um you know, uh, proliferation. I don't think blowing up an entire sewer system is going to stop them for very long. I wondered about that too. And I mean, we even, we see one has survived at least. So we see it like crawling around the sewer grate or something. Um, but yeah, we see them in greenhouses and stuff. So they can't be just resigned to the sewers. But that's basically the end of the film. Um, I mean, you know, it's sad that 
sanitation worker was not able to go home to his foreign wife at the end of the film. Um, they do yeah, have they a, had a they, they have a touching moment at, near the end of the film where, well, before he goes into the sewer, where he's like, um, I'm, uh, I'm going to go out for a while. You belong? No, I don't think so. Where are you going? Well, to tell you the God's honest truth, Brady and I are going to go kill some man-eating slugs. Oh, I trust this so-called killer slug, so yours aren't 18 years old and speak French. <laughs> but I tell you what, when I do get back, how about if we get naked and get crazy? I'll be here. So touching. I thought their dynamic was weird. I it didn't think fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. They 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 don't have chemistry at all. No. I mean and it's it's not the cultural divide either. There's something else there. Yeah. Oh, but speaking of the the chemistry and the relationships, the other woman is just is like an alcoholic and they make this is a subplot about her. She even comes to her husband at some point and says, like, I know I need to get help or I'm thinking about going to get help. Right. Do you think that in a modern movie, an alcoholism subplot would be treated so casually? No, in fact, I think despite all the things that have happened in this film, that is the most science fiction thing to have happened. The the addicted person just comes right out and says, I have a problem. Let's go get help without any any sort of intervention. Well, my my suspicion was that they had been fighting about it for a long time. She's like so gosh darn about it, too. Right. She's like, oh, I'm just letting my drinking get the best of me. um and then her husband dies when his eyes explode with worms yeah so i'd imagine that probably just pushes her further into alcoholism right yeah i just i just found it interesting that in this movie it it just it's one character trait out of many it's one subplot out of many and I think in a modern movie, if alcoholism was portrayed at all, there would have to be a lot of moralizing around it. And I just find that interesting. Well, we can address it in Slugs the Return when we see how she pisses away her husband's entire life insurance policy in bars. Slugs the Return. Okay, I'm down. Let's write it. All right, let's give final thoughts and uh, a rating out of four. Well, if you, if you couldn't tell, uh, both Luke and I both view this film in a very positive light, uh, despite <laughs> despite very, very uh, many poor writing choices that might be in the script. But uh, as far as B-movie science fiction goes, this is this is some gold standard for me. I love this film uh it succeeds despite despite the odds really uh you know there's poorly delivered dialogue (laughs) the general story is nonsense and it's fucking slugs (laughs) you know people have all sorts of bug phobias but i don't think i've ever heard anyone have like a fear of slugs 
but like but with all the ham it, it's augmented with these amazing special effects and otherwise really well directed um scenes there's no downtime this is a b-movie classic for me i love this film i would show it off to normies um don't watch it with your parents because there's a sex scene i don't know what else there is to add here i've never seen any of this other guy's films but i i would i'm totally down like if you if there's anything else podcast worthy we should totally do it yeah there's this his best film i think pieces is his most fun more than this yeah yeah i think it's more fun than this no way i do oh Anyway, I I love this film. I can't quite give it four stars because that feels like a slap in the face to like <laughs> genuinely like well crafted artistic films. But this is like a solid three for me. And the Philharmonic Symphony Orchestra does the music. Yeah, I think the music is well done too. I think the musical score is good. I th- I view this film, you know, we were just talking about pieces. I I view this film in pieces in a very similar way. I think they're pure exploitation. I don't think there's any serious ambitions here. They're B movies. They're tempted to be B movies and to cram as much like nudity and gore and um, nonsense as they can into an hour and a half. And on and those metrics, like Slug succeeds. Right. I don't think you can take it seriously. I think it's very campy and inept. And I'm not sure how much. I don't know that they were trying to be a good movie or a bad movie. I think they were just trying to be a movie that would make money. I think that that's the ambition behind the the film. But with that said, it turned into something amazingly entertaining that Leland's right. I would like show to normal people. uh, They would get a kick out of it. They would laugh at it. The the scene where the uh, where the girl is on the floor and she's reaching for her boyfriend who's on the bed and she's being devoured has to be one of the best campiest unintentionally hilarious horror scenes in history um i love it for that so i agree three stars this is quite possibly one of the best movies based off a book ever (laughs) do you want to read the book like are you curious i actually do want to read the book now i'm I'm gonna go look for it after we're done recording all right let me know how it is let me know if it illuminates something the movie didn't I remember when I was a kid, I I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies, but I could read whatever I wanted, which I don't quite understand the logic of that, but that was the rule. So I would get the novel, the novelized versions of movies. Like that's how I first read Poltergeist is I, I got the novelized version. Like that's how I got exposed to a lot of these um, stories for the first time. What a strange market, novelized films. It is, though. There, in some cases, like, you know, The Exorcist, the novel came first and the novel was a big hit and they adapted it into a film. But in cases like Poltergeist, it's the opposite, where the, the novel, the, somebody was hired to write a novelized version. 
I just don't know who the audience be for those types of books. Do they still exist? Does that market still exist? I don't know. I honestly don't. It seems like a very 80s phenomenon. But I do remember, like I said, being exposed to things like that as a kid. So I, I knew I know that at least I mean, I think I was buying them at like used bookstores and stuff. I don't think I ever saw one at like Walmart, but I could be wrong. Anyway, next week, um, we're going to watch another uh, creepy crawly film, 1987's The Nest. This is a killer cockroach movie, Leland. I am very familiar with the box, but I've never seen it. It's um, it's not like my favorite movie ever, but it's got some stellar special effects. Like it's worth seeing just for the effect sequences. So I'm excited to talk about those with you. All right. So if you have not, check out The Nest and join us next week. Until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares, where I post everything we do. Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Beautiful. We will talk with you all next week about The Nest. Have a good one. Ha 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 